Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Doug Christner in New York, 47 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on market action today. Very much a risk-on day for stocks. We had a rally. Financials led the way in advance of results from the Fed stress test. And indeed, after the bell, 33 of the nation's big banks aced the review. Capital won the loan exception. Uh, they stumbled just a bit. They got conditional approval to pay out capital to shareholders, but they have to uh, resubmit their plan. S&P 500 picking up about nine-tenths of one percent. The Dow, meantime, higher by seven-tenths of one percent. A recovery, broadly speaking, in computer-related tech shares, and it put the Nasdaq composite back above its 50-day moving average. You'll remember on Tuesday, we broke below that level when a number of Fed officials were questioning equity valuations. Today, the NASDAQ composite picked up 1.4%. Crude oil higher in the New York session after inventory data showed a significant drop in gasoline stockpiles. WTI in electrating now up 1.3% to 44.84 the barrel. We've got the private equity firm Sycamore reportedly near a deal to buy Staples for more than $10 per share. FedEx saying that its TNT Express unit in Europe has been significantly impacted by that Petya cyber attack. And uh, last quote in yield terms for the U.S. 10-year Treasury, 2.22%. You're caught up on markets. I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, it's a busy afternoon. Doug, thank you so much. Doug Krisner with the Bloomberg Business News Flash. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. This is your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. Is the housing market in a bubble? We asked well-known economist Michelle Meyer, head of U.S. economics at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. It's very hard to pick out in real time where there's bubbles. You can look at measures of overvaluation um, relative, for example, with housing, which is the area I like to think about, where are home prices relative to income. Most conventional measures would argue that prices are high relative to income. So the typical signs of overvaluation are there. But Meyer says even so, she's not rushing to any conclusions. That could persist for a while in an environment where rates are low um, and you also have potentially you know, limited supply, some restrictions or frictions in the market. So I think it's very hard, A, to identify those bubbles and then to, B, figure out when they may or may not pop. The latest S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller home price report shows prices rose in 20 major metros from a year ago, led by Seattle and Portland. And that's your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise. Pellegrini. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. All right, school is out for summer, but that doesn't mean all those folks that uh, work at universities around the country are not working because they are. Uh, and one of those individuals, Pulin Songvi, is with us. He's back with us, Executive Director of Career Services at Princeton University, based in, of course, New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, back in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. And uh, also with us, our higher education reporter at Bloomberg News, Janet Lauren. Um, nice to have you back with us. It's wonderful to be back, Carol. Pullen, um tell us about how you guys are adjusting uh, in terms of guiding your student body into jobs, uh, especially when there is so much changing, so much being disrupted out there. So this is a very fluid economy. Uh, one of the nice things is that there's much more choice 
than there's been historically, partly because the rise of small organizations and startups has created um, a huge new landscape of opportunity that has a discrete and very differentiated value proposition to our students relative to many of the other things they consider. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What do you mean value proposition? <laughs> well, if you think about working in a large company, there are these great attributes, the ability to be learning from the best, to be working across big landscapes, to be able to have impact across big customer bases. Startups have completely different dynamics, um, a lot of early responsibility, the ability to um, take on a lot of functional responsibility very quickly. Can learn a lot. Can learn a lot, can express creativity in different ways. Um, and what's been so interesting has been the influence that these two different types of recruiting opportunities are having on each other. They're both adapting to become competitive with each other in both uh, attracting and also retaining talent. And that's been fascinating to see unfold over the last decade. How are employers finding students differently uh, over the last couple of years? So what's been uh, the major trend has been a big thrust towards personalized recruiting and relational recruiting. So if you were to rewind the clock back 20 years, um, the, the primary way you would find people would be through um, sort of large-scale, resource-intensive um, screening of applicants on campus, dedicating teams to bring people back to your offices and trying to screen through people. Now, because technology has uh, advanced tremendously, uh, there is a much greater opportunity to personalize the way that recruiting happens, to start to build relationships with students um, in very personal ways, to, to kind of get to know them in very individual terms, and then to uh, sort of cultivate them over longer periods of time uh, using uh, arguments to attract them that are very personalized to their interests and their unique drivers. How early does this start? So this is happening much earlier now um, among, you know, some some firms are starting to view uh, freshman and sophomore and junior year internships as the primary entry point. But that's also been balanced by the fact that many of this new universe of smaller organizations are recruiting just in time. And so what that's led to has been um, a much broader landscape of opportunities year round. What if you're not sure what you want to do when you grow up after exactly. your freshman year of college? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, that how many folks go in as a freshman and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. So, I mean, we are obviously with our model of uh, hypothesis-driven exploration and experimentation, big fans of students trying different parts of themselves out with the different opportunities that they're having. And I mean, that's what college, to me, is supposed to be about. Yeah, and, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to do that. So I think that the way that we're trying to counsel our students is not to get too hung up on what the recruiting cycles are, but instead to look at all the choice that they have, start doing some experiments to figure out what they are getting drawn to and where they're starting to see the signals of environments where they'll thrive, and not to get worried about the outcomes, but instead just start to experiment with what they're really excited right. about. Uh, since we're both, Janet and I are parents, and I, I don't know, um, Pauline, if you're a parent as well, but I'm thinking about the cost of education. Yeah. and. To not think about the outcome, I've already said to my 14-year-old, I hope you're thinking about what you want to do <laughs> in life because, you know, it costs money to live and survive <laughs> in this world. And um, I think you also have to be kind of realistic about what you want to do. Having said that, I was lucky enough to do something I love, and it's worked out fairly well. Um, but I'm just curious, like, how do you balance that? How do you, how do you incorporate that into what you're doing at Princeton. So the way that you balance it is to uh, teach students not to think of life as these very dramatic binary on-off switches 
but instead to be, um, you know, a steady evolution of small experiments that can then lead to greater confidence with the bigger decisions. If you think about yourself as an example, kind of starting down that road of being a journalist, you never would have been able to predict with absolute clarity that you'd end up being the anchor of a, you know, a major radio program. But you made a lot of small decisions across the, you know, along the way that gave you increased confidence that you'd get there. Right. Um, and you never made a dramatic decision until you had enough information to make that decision. And so we're kind of big on this idea of experimentation, have a worldview that is continuing to evolve, um, use life as a laboratory, see how uh, circumstances are matching up to what you think, and then life will start to show you the way. And if you think about it, finding the stuff that's off the beaten path, that's the only way to get there because you'd never be able to predict yeah. your way to the stuff that you know, it doesn't have the obvious path to it. And I will say I experimented with college radio and that's where it all began. Yeah. How do you find those opportunities? You just send out a bunch of emails or LinkedIn messages and hope someone might get back to you? So I think that things have become much more authentically relational than that. I think that our students are much less doing cold calls now and much more are having coffees with members of our alumni base that are casual, you know, exploration-focused conversations where the alum might kind of help to shape the student's thinking on what they're looking for, may introduce the student to a few of her friends in the process, and the student will start to have a progressive set of conversations that lead to more and more connections until finally they meet someone that they might want to work with. And hey, that's fascinating. Maybe next time, too, I'm just curious if, if men and women treat it differently in terms of the job search. And maybe we can get into that next time you come around because we've, we've got to run. So good to have you back here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Have a great summer. Uh, Pullen Songvi, he's Executive Director of Career Services at Princeton University based in New Jersey. Janet Lauren, our higher education reporter at Bloomberg News. Man, it's been a busy day. <laughs> this is Bloomberg Radio.